0: Today we'll continue in our series, Prove It. I think this is our seventh week in First John. Some of you are having flashbacks to the Gospel of John, where we spent four years uh, back in the early parts of my ministry with you. I can't believe you kept me around after doing that to you, but we had fun back then. We're having fun this time, and I'm looking forward to it. But I want to tell you just a little bit about some upcoming changes that I want you to be aware of. Um, God has really been wrestling with my heart. I am not leaving. Let's just say that, okay? I'm not leaving. This is just changes within a Sunday morning service. And I want you to be aware of that. God has been wrestling with my heart about the time that I spend in uh, helping to lead worship, choosing songs, doing rehearsals, being here early, uh, getting all of that done, playing guitar and singing, which is something I have loved doing for the last 14 years. However, God has kind of been laying it on my heart that he has some other things that he wants to do with my time. And I was just kind of wrestling with that. What do I do with that? And then, uh, I'm not saying God did this to me, but, you know, my family had COVID. And so I sat at home and watched for two weeks. And it was beautiful to see worship being led by Nicole and Lori and Aiden and, uh, and it was really like God just kind of moved in to the couch while I was watching and said, see, they can do it. I need you to do some other things. And so I said yes, and I have talked with the church board. I've talked with the worship team. And uh, and so starting in the new year... Uh, we'll be seeing some changes. Nicole and Alicia and Deb will, will be working together. Nicole will be kind of picking those songs and, and helping to lead more frequently uh, on Sunday mornings, which is going to help. And, there, and Alicia and Deb are going to help with those rehearsals with instruments and, and all kinds of things. So I say this for two reasons. One, I want you to pray for them. Because they're, they're stepping up as volunteers to, to lead and do this and prepare for a good service to happen. And second, I want to encourage you. Are you hiding a talent, music-wise, instrument-wise, uh, those kinds of things? Because we could use you. Or do you know someone? It's okay if they haven't quite made a decision yet. It might be that you get them here because they want to play a guitar or a keyboard or a set of drums and they hear the good news because you invited them. So I want you to be praying about that. I want you to be thinking about that. And if God is tapping you on the shoulder to say, I need you to start playing something or singing something, then I want you to contact our office and we'll make sure we get that ready and we'll do an audition and we'll uh, we'll just see how all of that fits together. So I want you to be aware of that. I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be a good new season for the church. I'm excited to sit down there and participate in worship and uh, and, and then just be ready. But I'm, I'm excited about that. Be praying for that, okay? All righty. Well, let's move on, and let's look at 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, and we're going to go all the way through chapter 3, verse 1. Now, if you've been here with us all the other six weeks, I've only been doing like one or two verses, and then having so short verses, longer sermon. Today, my hope is that we have a longer passage, and that translates into a shorter sermon. I'll let you be the judge, or I'll let the clock be the judge in the end. But I want you to to read this. But before we read it, I want to do a little teaching, okay? So we're going to do some preemptive teaching before we read this passage together. This passage is going to deal with the idea of anointing. Now, if you're new to Christian faith or you're new to faith at all or you're watching online for the first time, anointing is simply applying oil to something or someone. Now, why why would we do that? Why, why did they do that? Why do we do that t- still today? Uh, because oil is a symbol. This is how we use it in our church today predominantly. It's a symbol of God's presence, and God's presence is an ability to heal. And so sometimes we will invite people to come if they're sick or approaching a surgery or something, and we'll anoint them with oil. The oil is not magic. It's a symbol of God's presence so that that person remembers that they are not just in the hands of doctors and surgeons. They are in the hands of the great physician. And where doctor's wisdom ends, his healing can just be at the beginning point. And so we, we do that. But it is also a symbol of God's choosing. this is where I want us to to begin to, to knuckle down and look at just a little bit. It is a symbol of God's choosing. We see this in the Old Testament in many ways. I love what Dr. Rick Williamson says when he's talking and trying to explain this idea of choosing for function. That applying oil to a person or a thing indicates that that person or thing was especially designed for the function it was to perform. Okay? Applying oil to a person or thing indicates that it was especially designed for the function it was to perform. Let's look at just a little, a, a little bit of an example. I've already told you sometimes things... Were anointed. We see this a lot in the temple structure and the, the articles that were used within the temple in the Hebrew scriptures or what we call the Old Testament. So we'll just take an example. The table of the bread of the presence. I'm not going to go into all of what that was for, what it, the symbolism is. I just want you to know that that table was anointed with oil because they were saying that it was designed specifically for that function and only for that function it was not used as a coffee table other days of the week it was only used for that it was set aside for that it was anointed and set aside and designed specifically for that function to hold the bread of the presence always now not only and there are lots of other examples of that if you want to read through leviticus Be my guest, or the second half of Exodus, be my guest, you can do that. Uh, But also, people were anointed. Now, think about that. So, people, when they're anointed, it's saying that they were specifically designed for the function to which they are called, to which they are doing. So, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, priests were anointed. They were, God was saying to them, you are designed and set aside for the function I am giving you. What is that function? That function was to represent God to the people. And priests did that in some ways by the way they dressed and the things that they were to participate in and do. But they were also to represent people to God. They were supposed to do that through how they lived and what they did and didn't do. And and this was, they were never not priests. And that's why the the Old Testament law would say they're not farmers. They're not landowners. In fact, everybody who is landowners around them are to give some of their crop and some of that to sustain them because they are anointed ones. They are set aside specifically for the function of representing God to the people and the people to God. That's what anointing meant. Kings were also anointed when they began their rule. It was God saying, I have designed you specifically for the function for what you are taking on as being the king. What was the function of the king? The king was to maintain the justice or the rightness of God's teaching within the nation. And to live under that justice and righteousness themselves. They were called to do that. And they were never not a king. They didn't get to hang up the crown and go run wild and free. They were called to do that. They were set aside for that purpose. So they didn't go out and plow fields and take care of cattle like all the rest of the children. In fact, they received tributes to help them be the king, to see that they were continuing to do just what God had designed their function to be. Now, if you've read... First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. You know that while there were priests and kings who did better than others, none of them lived up to this anointing, to live into that function perfectly. And so there began to be within the prophetic words this desire, this longing for An anointed one who would come and perfectly fulfill that priestly role of representing God to the people and the people to God to show perfectly what God looks like and to show to God what humanity is struggling with and to be that king who would usher in God's kingdom and God's presence right there in our midst today. This person, this person was called a Messiah. Now, the Hebrew word for Messiah sounds like this, Meshiach. You want to say that with me. It's kind of fun. You need to gather a little bit in your throat. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Mashiach. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Mashiach. One more time so it sticks in your memory. One, two, three. Mashiach. And Meshiach simply means anointed one. This is important. Hold on to that. Stick that in your memory. As we move through in from the Old Testament, as it closes, they, we see that they are still longing for the Messiah, the Anointed One who will come and show that He was created and designed to show God to the people perfectly and the people to God perfectly and to usher in God's presence and God's kingdom into the world today. But Matthew brings us in and starts introducing us to this one called Jesus. And later as you go through the Gospels, we see in his life, he represented God perfectly to the people. On the cross, he represented people to God perfectly. In his resurrection, he established the kingdom presence and the kingdom authority of God's kingdom here on earth over death, over sin. And they called him the anointed one, the Mashiach. But in Greek, because New Testament is written in a, in a different language, the Greek word for anointed one is the word Christos, which sounds a lot like what? Christ. Let's say that together already. One, two, three, one, two, three, Christos. Let's say it again. One, two, three. Christos. But Christos simply means anointed one. So whenever you read in your Bibles, Jesus Christ, you are reading Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Mashiach, the anointed one. He is the one who was created to perfectly fulfill the anointing. The function of the priest, the king, the savior. And he did that perfectly. We believe that as followers of him. Amen? That's important. Now this word Christos comes from the word charismos. You want to say that with me too, don't you? One, two, three. Charismos. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Charismos. And again, so you remember it. One, two, three. That's just simply the act of anointing. Anointing. To anoint someone is to charismas them. And that is, again, to say to them, you have been designed for this function and to fulfill that in all the areas of your life. So I need you to remember that as we read our passage today uh, because it's going to shape something. It's going to change something for you. It changed something for me. I hope it will for you as well. So let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 15 and then we're going to move all the way through to chapter 3. And I want you to do something as you do this. So take out a highlighter. Take out a pen. If you're getting this in app form, you can underline. But here's what I want you to do. Because this is so important. Any time you see the words Christ or anoint in any form, anointing, anoint, Christ, whether you think that's a negative version of that word or whether you think it's a positive version, I want you to highlight it. I want you to underscore it. Whatever you need to do, I want you to see this here today. I think it's going to change something for you. All right. Are we ready? Here we go. First John chapter 2. Verses 15 through chapter 3, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Okay, wait. Did you, did you underline? We, we had our word there. Christ there, right? And Christos means what? Anointed one. Okay, Antichrist. All right, anti-anointed one. Uh, let me find my place again. Dear children, this is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. And even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing. Did you underline that? But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I don't write this because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the... What's the word there? Christ. Anointed one. Underline that. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you if it does you also will remain in the son and the father and this is what he promised to us eternal life I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing, there's our word again, you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it taught has taught you, remain in him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's the Word of God for the people of God, both here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. Yes. Now, did something change for you? I don't know about you, but when when I was, even, even into my young teenage years, I never really enjoyed the haunted house. You, you know, we would have those fairs. I lived kind of in a, in a small rural place, and we always looked forward to the fair coming. Today it scares me to death, you know, to think these rides are put together with like a ratchet, and, and you trust your life to this. But, but one of those things is you would get on the haunted house, and you always knew what was going to happen. You were going to get in that cart with a friend or two, and you were going to move down the track, and you would snake through, and as soon as you got through those doors... It was going to be dark and there were going to be scary things that popped out and lights that came on and loud noises And there might be someone who stamps on the floor right next to your cart And I always used to just kind of sit in the middle Figured they'd get the other two first And sometimes i'd even just kind of put my hands up to my eyes and just close my eyes and and then you know try and sense when we were coming out so I could pop up really quick and tell my friends wasn't that cool <laughs> But I hated those experiences but I remember one time with the fair came to town We got in they wanted to go on it. I paid my tickets She got on and we go through and i'm, I'm about to do that thing and all of a sudden there's a loud and And all the lights in the place came on and We're still going through the the ride And and I began to see all the stuff behind it. I realized oh, we're just in a we're just in an 18 wheeler trailer <laughs> And we're moving back and forth and oh look at the strings up there Oh, well that would be scary if it was dark and I saw it at the last second and and, and the guy who who stomps on the floor Right by you. He, he was like maybe two years older than me Had one of those t-shirts, you know that hangs down really skinny like I could take him If I had to And, and we go through the whole thing and you just see him behind the scenes But because the lights are on it wasn't scary at all Began to see all the differences that were happening there. Why am I telling you this story? Because I want you to see with this underlining that something has happened specifically with one of the negative terms when it comes to this passage. And that is the, And I believe that what we have done by underlining, by highlighting what anointing means and what Christ means and what Mashiach means is that it begins to turn the light on in that scary word that has been used to bully people a lot. And that is the word antichrist. I believe that the word antichrist has been dressed up for a haunted house and stuffed in a scary place to be brought out in some, some time to, to try and scare you into believing in Jesus. And that's not what John was doing. It's not about some super cosmic bad guy who shows up at the end and tries to unite world governments against Jesus and the church. What he's talking about is simply another way that John is using, another metaphor, another couple of words to help this church and our church today to understand who is walking in the light and who is not. And what that means for us today. So Antichrist then is anyone who does not believe that Jesus was God's anointed one. That's what it means. It means someone, anyone who does not believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Mashiach, the Anointed One. That's why he says, you've heard that one is coming, and many have come. There have been many people that you have experienced that didn't believe this. And so he wants to teach them and show them how do we relate, how do we understand what it means when someone does not believe and actively is against the understanding that Jesus is the anointed one. Now why does this mean anything? Why is this important? And that's because Christian thought about Jesus radically informs Christian living. And how we live out our faith. That's what John has been saying all throughout all of these passages that we've been looking at. That Christian thought shapes. What we believe about Jesus should show how we live into Jesus in our worlds. I wanted to make a catchy phrase for you to kind of maybe remember this. It's terrible grammar. So mom, English teacher, just go with me on this one. If you want to remember this... What John is trying to do here is saying, your believing is expressed by how you be living. I mean, that's where we get that word, believe. It's your be living. It comes from how you understand. So your believing is expressed by how you be living. And it's important for us to keep that in mind as we understand and begin to look at this word, Antichrist. Antichrist. Because Antichrist people show that they don't believe by living out the world's standards, which John shows to us right there in verses 15 through 17. Everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, comes from, not from the, the Father, but from the world. They show that they don't believe by living into that. Now, we could spend a lot of time going into what that exactly means, but it's basically that we could use, we, we could use other people that lust of the flesh, that we can build up a lot of wealth and have a lot of pride about that, the pride of life. That is anti-anointed one behavior. And antichrist people show that they don't believe by living this out. Antichrist people show this by leaving the church. John, John says this in verse 19, they went out from us and they showed that they didn't belong to us by doing that. Because if they belong to us, they would have stayed. If they had truly believed that Jesus was the anointed one who is bringing God's kingdom and God's presence right into the world perfectly, they never would have wanted to leave that. Antichrist people show that they don't believe this by lying about who Jesus is. Verse 22 says, and who is a liar? It is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. Such a person is the Antichrist. So they show this by by lying about this. And Antichrist people also show this by leading others astray. And John wants to let that little church know back then that they're coming. Don't be led astray. In verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Do you see how this begins to... Take it out of the haunted house, turn the light on, and begins to give you new lenses through which to see your world. It also gives us an, an opportunity to look inside us to say, "Is my believing, is my believing, be living, living up to my believing?" It's important for us to look at this because for the anointed ones, that's you. That's me. That's the little church way back when. That's you who are watching online. If you are following after Jesus, you have been anointed. John tells us this. And if we are the anointed, then we believe that Jesus is the anointed one. Oh, that was pretty weak. If we are the anointed ones, then it means that we believe that Jesus is, is the anointed one who showed us what God looks like perfectly, who represented us to God, who came out of that grave and established the kingdom of God at hand perfectly right here in our world, and it is expanding out from that moment to this moment. That's what we believe. That's what we hold on to. And since Jesus is the anointed one, that means, going back into John's Gospel, that Jesus' way is is the anointed way. It is the way. Now think about this, when it comes to believing and be living. Think about this. So if we believe that Jesus said his way was about serving, we better be living as servants. John 13:14, after he's just taken on the dirtiest job and washed his disciples' feet, he says, "If I, your Lord and Master, have done this, you also should do this for one another." So our believing needs to match up to our believing. Is it? Since Jesus is the anointed one, that means that Jesus' truth is the anointed truth. And, And so when Jesus said that his kingdom is not of this world, so his disciples aren't fighting. He said that to Pilate in John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 36. Then that means that we cannot be fighting over the kingdoms of this world. And that includes ours. We believe, and it leads to our believing. Now, there's a whole lot more truth. If you just want to go back into John's Gospel or any of the Gospels and read those passages and those teachings of Jesus, that could take you a good lifetime to just read that and say, Okay, I believe that Jesus is the Anointed One. That means His truth is what I am supposed to live into and, and let the Holy Spirit kind of work on you. Is my believing matching up with my believing?" You could do that. That would be a great, wonderful thing that would never disappoint you. Jesus would use that. We've got to move on. Since Jesus is the anointed one, that means that Jesus' life is the anointed life. So if we believe that Jesus gave his life to outsiders like he did to that Samaritan woman at the well and the villagers of her village afterwards, then we better be living by sharing that same life with other people. That's why we have as our mission statement that we're helping people find and follow Jesus by seeking them and serving them. Wraps up all of this together. If we believe that Jesus laid down his life for us, you better be living by laying ours down for others, at the very minimum, our preferences, in order to have them hear the good news. This is this shouldn't be shocking to us. But I'm afraid it has become that. And this sounds, if you're if you're sitting here thinking, oh man, this is a tall order. You're right. It's going to take something. You know what it's going to take? Anointing. It's going to take anointing. And I want you to hear this good news about the anointing. Because Jesus is the anointed one, you can become one of the anointed. Because Jesus is the anointed one, folks, the good news is you can become one of the anointed. Take a picture of that. Write it down. You need to hear that. You need to read that over and over again. Because Jesus is the anointed one, you can become one of the anointed. John writes in that verse, chapter 2, verse 20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know this truth. It's important. You can receive this today. His anointing enables your believing and your believing. You need to hear that again? His anointing enables your believing and your believing. So, are you believing today? Are you hearing this for the first time, but there's something inside of you that's saying, I'm drawn to that. I want to know more about that. That is the Holy Spirit pulling you towards an anointing of believing that jesus is the anointed one that jesus is the messiah the long-awaited one are you believing maybe for more of us we need to ask let let the scriptures ask us the question are how's your be living how is your be living does it match up with your believing Well, today, I wanted us to end, and I think we still can. I'm not seeing anybody panicking, with an invitation and a reminder. And so here's what I want to do today. It's going to be different, so if you're brand new with us, you'll learn this about me. I like to try and have us do different things in responding. And this congregation has been wonderful over 14 years to allow me to do all of these kinds of things but I try to find new ways for us to respond and engage with what we have heard. And so today we've been talking a lot about anointing and what that anointing does and what that means for Jesus and what that can, can mean for us in our lives. And so in just a moment, I'm going to have us all stand. And I'm going to gather some of our pastors and our local licensed ministers, and they're going to stand in one section. Dun, dun, dun. And in a moment, I'm going to have everybody stand. And we're all going to move to the aisle that's to your left. Sorry, I had to think about that. You're going to come forward. And someone is going to hand you right in this aisle one of these papers. I'm going to invite you to write your name on it. And then you're going to come up to the pastor who's in front of your section. And they're going to anoint you. So that you can either remember... That your believing and your believing have to match up. Or maybe for some of you, it's going to be the first time you have ever said you believe. And that's going to be exciting. So they're going to say to you, these words, they're going to look you in the eyes, they're going to call you by name, and they're going to say, you are anointed by the Holy One. It's from, directly from our passage today. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit believe and be living. His way, truth, and life. I know I need that. What about you? Nobody is forced to participate in this. If you're brand new and you're not ready for that, hey, that's okay. But I think there are enough of us here in the building today who either want to make a start, to have our believing match our believing, or we want the reminder And so I want that to happen for you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Lord Jesus, this has been crazy service. But I pray that even a fire alarm will not get in the way of your presence moving among us. And I pray that you would call people to respond, simply to receive An anointing of oil. A symbol of your presence. A symbol that you are setting us aside to have our believing match up. Our believing match up with our believing. Help us today. I pray that we would receive that anointing and sense it and feel it, not just on our foreheads, but deep down in the core of who we are. For we need that for the first time or as a reminder. So come right now and help us, we pray. I'm going to invite the ones I've spoken to. So Ray, why don't you take right here in this section. And Kyle, why don't you come and be right here. I'll be in this section right here. And Paul, our local licensed minister, is going to be right there. I'm going to invite you to stand, go to your left. If you're going to respond, come on down. Someone will hand you something, write your name on it. Then hand that to the person who's in front of your section. When you're done, you just keep going there and you just find your way right back to your seat. And you can stand or be seated while everyone is finished. Would you respond now? I don't know if I gave you a shorter sermon, but I hope that you have received something from this service. Um, I think Pastor Kyle collected his, um, but if you want to grab another one on your way out, what I want you to do is keep that with you. Put that somewhere. Put it in your dashboard. Put it in your desk. Put it somewhere where you see it and you can read it as often as you can. We need reminders. I know John says, you have the anointing. You don't need teaching. And then he goes on to teach. It's as if he remembers there is a teaching. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would remind us of everything Jesus taught. But we do need reminders because we're human beings. So take that with you. Use it. Remind yourself. And where your be living is not matching up to your believing, we know because John told us. We just confess it. And he continues to cleanse. Move us in to living in righteousness. Would you stand today and receive this blessing as you go? And now, my brothers and sisters here and online, may you experience the peace, the love, the joy that comes from knowing that because He is the anointed one, you have become one of the anointed. I pray that your believing and be living would match up and that the people around you would see the anointed one Jesus the Christ Jesus the Mashiach Jesus the anointed one in you and I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever Amen. God bless you go in his anointing Thank you for joining us online. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.